Okay, so there's this book that you've probably heard about. It's Dr. Robert Cialdini's Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And I, I mean, rightly so, it's gotten a ton of positive press, positive like references throughout the marketing world. It is also a really interesting book because how it's used today is really not how it was intended to be used when it was written. And so I want to talk about that a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but then I want to dive a little bit deeper into uh, Robert Cialdini's fifth influence secret in the book because I think it's underappreciated and you can get a lot of value out of, of thinking about it. Okay, so first, first things first, every marketer, every copywriter, every advertiser, every entrepreneur, really every influencer, every salesperson should read Influence by Robert Cialdini. Uh, it's subtitled The Psychology of Persuasion and the really interesting thing about it is that it actually started off, if you, if you read it, it started off as an anti-influence textbook. So he's a social psychologist, he said, okay, I seem to get influenced frequently and I'm really curious, like why, why do we say yes to another magazine subscription when we don't want another magazine subscription or where, why do we sign up for another whatever it is when we don't want a magazine subscription? It was written more in the days of print media initially, um, although it keeps being updated. Um, so he was really curious about that and so he started to study influence. And the thing is, like, as much as he intended to hand it out to or to sell it to um, co consumers to help them protect themselves against being unduly influenced, it was very quickly picked up by, and now it's been embraced by Dr. Cialdini as a reference for marketers, persuaders, salespeople, business people, right? And um, it, while it was originally this anti-influence textbook, it's, it's become uh, an interesting story that now it's used more by the influencers than the influencees. Anyways, uh, so he talks about the, the weapons of influence, and I, I never necessarily love those, those violent metaphors, but uh, we could call them principles in, of influence, we could call them secrets of influence. Uh, basically what he identified is there are six separate uh, principles of influence that people use that um, th that make it more likely that they're able to persuade people to do what they want them to do. And this applies this applies across the board. Like persuasion is happening in your personal life, your personal relationships. It's happening, you know, with your kids, with your family. It's happening with your your uh, lovers, your loved ones. It's happening with people that you don't even know that you run into on the street. It's happening. Um, it's happening in media. It's happening in social media. It's happening in politics. It's happening in business. It's happening with nonprofits as well as uh, you know filthy capitalists. It's happening. It happens all the freaking time. People are always influencing each other. And as much as we want to believe that we're not subject to these principles of influence, the truth is that people are intentionally or unintentionally using these on a consistent basis and they are influencing us. And, you know, a Kind of a funny thing is that this book, you know, it's it's considered a essential reading, a textbook for marketing. And I've seen entire marketing programs built really just designed to leverage one principle. Like, for example, 
um, Jeff Walker's product launch formula, one of the major, major things that it uses is social proof. Social proof. Uh, it, it really leans into getting people to engage with the initial content around a product launch such that it's perceived that all these people are doing this, so why shouldn't I do it too? So let's talk really quickly through these six tools of influence. Um, most of these are used pretty frequently. There's number one, reciprocity. So if you've ever gotten like a fundraising appeal and the fundraising appeal has included a calendar or some uh, mailing return labels or I don't know, whatever in it already, right? Or if somebody sends out a dollar bill letter, which is famous in the direct response world, or Whatever it is, if if you do something, if someone does something nice for you, you often want to do something nice back for them, right? And it can be even a tiny gift. It can it can just be a tiny gift. And so reciprocity is a powerful tool of influence, right? Commitment and consistency. Getting someone to commit to something to say that they're going to do it is a way to get people to actually follow through on that and to stay consistent with what they committed to. Social proof is when we recognize that other people are doing it and so we want to do it too, right? So for example, like I've, I've seen something like 98% of all online purchases at this point use reviews or 98% of consumers say that they use reviews in making their purchase decisions. That's social proof. That's like social proof gone crazy. That was one of the hugest, most powerful things that Amazon ever did was to feature the, the reviews, the star reviews front and center on their product pages. So like you are discovering products that other people like. Well, People buy high star rating <coughs> products. Liking. If you like the person who is trying to influence you, you are more likely to be influenced by them. So any kind of, of uh, flattery, any kind of, as long as it doesn't come across as disingenuous, right? Because if I flatter you, but I do it in a way that doesn't ring true, that doesn't feel true to you, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be more likely to um, do what I ask you to do, but if I truly communicate to you, you know, ways that I respect you or ways that I appreciate you, maybe you're more likely to like me and, and do something that I ask you to do. Authority. Authority is uh, we tend to follow people who are perceived to be in positions of power. We're going to dive more into that in just a second here, uh, so I won't go any deeper here, but scarcity. Scarcity is, hey, uh, time is running out, right? Scarcity is all over our marketing. Time is running out. The quantity is running out. Like there's a deadline. You know, you have to do it now, right? Scarcity, fear of missing out, right? We, uh, this, this price is going up at midnight. All of these things are used co very consistently throughout influence, right? Um, and, and scarcity is, is a very powerful factor that you always want to include at the end of any common uh, marketing campaign, right? Um, okay, so I wanna dive into the underappreciated fifth principle of influence, and in a second I'm even going to share with you some ways that you can use it even if you don't feel like you have authority. So authority. Um, it's, it's often something that we think, oh, we have it, we don't have it, you know, we, uh, if we don't have it, we don't lean into it, right? But authority exists on many different levels, and some of them are much more obvious and some of them are less obvious. So the study that was actually cited in Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion, was the Milgram experiment. And this is a very famous experiment where, uh, experiment, or where, where subjects were brought into a lab. And in the lab, 
Um, there was like some electronic equipment. They were brought in with somebody else. This other person went off into some other room. Uh, in the room that they, the, the subject was taken into, there's this electronic equipment with different voltages marked and like a button to press to, to, um, to do whatever, right? And so uh, they're, they're presented with this situation and there's a person in a lab coat with a clipboard. And they, um, they are asked to push a button. And when they push a button, they hear the voice of this other person coming from somewhere saying like, ow, like just there's, there's pain. So there's pain associated with the push button and the electricity. And then they're asked to push higher and higher voltages of the electricity. And so, you know, it's this next one and this next one and this next one. And the person starts to cry out in even more pain. They start to moan, they start to groan, they start to like um, really sound like they are under distress, right? Um, like they are being electrocuted, right? And then they're screaming, they're saying, don't stop, you have to stop, you stop, stop. And the person in the lab coat is just, uh, you, you have to do this, you have to continue with this, you have to, like, this is the experiment, this is what you signed up for, this is what we're going to do, you need to push the next button, right? And so they're pushing them to push that button to, to deliver more shocks and more shocks, even as this person is screaming, and they, you know, they start to say, oh, chest pain, my chest hurts, oh, you have to stop, you have to stop, and then they go silent, and then people are asked to push the button even more. And by and large, even though we believe that personally we are not likely to comply in a situation like this, by and large, people comply. People do what the person in the white lab coat asks them to do. And that's the power of authority that's talked about in influence, the psychology of persuasion, right? And so there's lots of different signals of authority that people can give us. Uh, you know, one is a title. I put Dr. Robert Cialdini. I could put Robert Cialdini PhD, which is on the cover of the book, right? I put Dr. Robert Cialdini because that is a title of authority, right? Different titles that we have, and those titles can come from lots of different places. They can come from economic, or I'm sorry, um, educational institutions, they can come from certifying bodies, they can come from um, you know, state government, they can come from passing certain tests, they can come with certification, uh, I, I said certifying bodies, right? Um, or they can be self-imposed, right? They can, they can be a title that somebody comes up with on their own and it can be a signal of authority. The question is, does the person who is hearing it or seeing it, do they believe the title, right? Uh, titles can be assigned from uh, media, right? So like 40 under 40, that's a common, that's a common media title, right? Um, there's, there's lots of different titles that you, can, that you can get. Also clothes, I made the point there, and the point was made in the Milgram experiment that the researcher was wearing a lab coat and carrying a clipboard, right? That is the um, that is the costume of somebody who works in a lab. Like that is the superhero costume of someone who is a scientist, right? And so with that with that costume, with that clothing, it conveyed a certain aspect. A while back I decided, you know what? Uh, I'm recording videos every day. I don't want to wear t-shirts anymore. I really appreciate wearing t-shirts. I like to wear t-shirts. They're comfortable. But I decided I wanted to wear fairly simple, you know, button-up shirts every day to work. Like, I, I want the simplicity of wardrobe 
but I decided to wear these button-up shirts every day. Um, there is a certain uh, there's there's a certain perception of someone in a button-up shirt versus you know whatever or a suit or whatever, right? Like it, the clothing, the costume that you put on needs to be appropriate to the context and even can elevate your authority in the context. If you're the nicest dressed person in a room, you're going to be more influential to the people in the room. Other kinds of trappings of authority, right? So a luxury car could be an example. The, the context, the office that you are in could be an example. There can be lots of different signals that you're giving. And uh, the thing is, whether we're aware of it, whether we're conscious of it or not, we're constantly paying attention to the signals that other people are putting off. And some of those signals can increase authority and some of those signals can decrease authority. And so if there are certain signals that you're putting off that increase authority, you know, it could be however you look in the picture on, you know, on your bio, it could be. Uh, it, it could be the font choice on a book cover. It could be the font choice in your marketing. It could be the, the, the structure of your communication message. There's lots of different ways that you can signal authority around a topic, right? And it's something that is worth paying attention to. So even if you don't have, let's say, okay, so... We talked about titles, clothes, and trappings. You can go out and you can buy clothes. You can go out and get a tailored suit or you know, a nice, um, you know, whatever, whatever the nice outfit is that's appropriate to your authority that you're looking to have. You could go through, you know, whatever academic program that's required to get the title. You could go out and uh, buy the fancy office or buy the fancy car, all of these different signals of authority. And, and yet, and yet, well, let's start with saying, yes, all of that is valuable. And, and there is a certain authority that comes with you being completely comfortable and confident being wherever you are, being whoever you are. So this is a related uh, lesson. There is a a hypnotist trainer that I study named Mike Mandel and lots of great teachings around hypnotism. One of the things that he does a great job of doing is is going back through time and looking at different uh, schools of hypnosis or eras of hypnosis and um, and looking at like what made those effective for the time. And mesmerism, although we associate it with hypnosis now is very different from what clinical hypnosis, modern hypnosis is. Um, it, it was basically this 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 belief that Anton Mesmer had these like uh, powers of animal magnetism that he could wave his hands over you and heal you, right? And the point that Mike Mandel made. And he said, like, why did this work? Why did this work? He didn't have modern methods of hypnosis, modern scientific understanding of how hypnosis works. Um, he was just kind of doing some cuckoo stuff. Um, other people tried it and did not get the same results as him, uh, which is very different from how a lot of modern uh, clinical hypnosis works. Well, it worked because he had prestige. He had he was known in media, right? He was known for these amazing feats. He was known as this amazing person. And he, I mean, he had this whole school of 
it wasn't even called hypnosis, <coughs> mesmerism named after him, right? He had prestige. And so when people came to him, they came with a certain expectation of an experience, certain expectation of results. And because our minds can be such powerful things, oftentimes their mind led them to an experience that was consistent with what they expected from showing up, right? Um, and amazing things like stopping bleeding, uh, which is something that um, seems kind of out there, but is something that can be uh, that can be supported through hypnosis and through mesmerism when it's from mesmer, right? And so Mike Mandel talks about the secrets behind prestige really come from three things. They come from confidence, right? Confident that you can do whatever you're saying you're going to do in the situation, right? Being confident in a situation. Congruence meaning you don't show up looking one way and behaving another, right? You don't show up in that three-piece suit that's finely tailored and then behave like a goofball, right? Like it being congruent with how people are expecting you to behave and having conviction, having this like inner belief, this this will, this, this intention around what you're doing, right? And those three things create prestige. They create this, this sense of prestige, which is, almost another word for authority. And so if you want to command authority and personal power in any situation, gain confidence through experience in similar situations, uh, act congruently, don't try to present yourself one way when you're not another, and have conviction that your will will be fulfilled. And um, this this is something that, that you, know, you develop through time, but this is honestly the quickest way to develop unshakable authority is like a confidence that I can deal with anything. A congruence that comes from being honest, even when you don't know how to deal with it, you can, you can be honest about that. Like, I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. And a conviction that is actually reflected in what I just said, you know, this, this will to figure it out. And the, the, the big thing is, is it's about their expectation and your presence. So, if someone expects you to be a certain way, to um, to get them a certain result, and your presence says that, yes, I can do that, um, if they expect whatever influence from you and your presence says, yes, I will do that, then you will be influential. You'll have prestige. You will have authority. My call to action for you at the end of this episode is to ask yourself, you know, how can you use this? How can you use authority, even if it's maybe unconventional or more of a social authority and less of a um, external authority? How can you use this to be more influential to grow the power of your marketing? Don't forget to like and subscribe if you want more content like this delivered to you. Uh, and if you do want to go deeper into different types of proof and credibility, going way beyond what you get in Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion, uh, I do have a, a training course called Proof, Credibility, and Believability. It's how to use proof and credibility in your marketing for greater believability and greater response. So I'm Roy Furr. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and I'll catch you again in the next episode. Check the link in the description for more. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.